0: Today I'd like to talk to you about the key. I want to begin in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 1. It begins, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. As the book of Acts opens up, we get a little introduction by its author, who shares a statement about the former account. This detail identifies the author as Luke, who wrote one of the Gospels. This is is significant because it helps us to understand a perspective by which this book is written. Although there are four Gospels which generally cover the life and ministry of Jesus, but in different ways, there are certain aspects which cause the Gospel accounts to stand out from one another. One thing that sets the Gospel of Luke apart is the fact that it contains more parables than any other Gospel. Twenty-four to be exact of which 18 of these parables are unique to Luke's account. The significance of this is that parables were a powerful way of teaching that Jesus employed during his ministry. But these figurative stories were more than just analogies with picturesque language. In a sense, they came with lock and key and could only be opened through such. In fact, quite often Jesus would say that though others would hear these words in parables, they wouldn't understand the point of his message. This was because they didn't have the key. It is this key that separates the treasure hunter from the one who not only finds the treasure, but is able to open it up and enjoy it. The key to understanding the message of Christ is available to all those who desire it. This key, however... It's not something that is earned, but rather received when the right conditions are in place. You see, when the disciples had gathered together around Jesus, He would open the eyes of their understanding by explaining each parable to them. With Jesus being fully man and fully God, He demonstrated the Holy Spirit working through Him to bring Spirit-led revelation to all hearers who were seeking God and hungry for divine truth. Now, many heard the teachings of Jesus, including the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law and others. But not everyone understood understood the message they held. Not everyone was seeking God and hungry for the truth. But even if one was hungry for the truth of God, there was still one key that was missing. That key is the supernatural ability of the Holy Spirit who alone gives, gives the ability to enlighten our understanding so that the Word of God comes alive and comes off the pages of the book to us. It, the, the parables become alive through the Holy Spirit. You see, without the Holy Spirit, understanding is only superficial. But with His eye-opening and heart-regenerating revelation, one gains a deep well of understanding. It is through this perspective that we must approach the book of Acts. Seeking God, hungry for the truth, and asking the Holy Spirit Himself to enlighten our understanding. Therefore, Luke draws light to all that Jesus began to do and teach. Acts chapter 1, verse 2. Until the day in which He was taken up, after he, speaking of Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. There are some that primarily look at the book of Acts as a great historical narrative of how the early church started, of how the message was spread, and how new believers and converts were powerfully added to the church. But with this perspective, one fails to acquire the key to unlock the depth of treasure contained not only in this book, but more importantly, the treasure that is available in all of our Christian lives. It is a treasure of divine understanding and real-life application that transforms a believer into a disciple, walking in the full power and authority of God through the infilling and continual flow of the Holy Spirit. For He, the Holy Spirit, is the key. Not just what He did, but what He does and desires to do every time you open the pages of the living Word of God. Every time you pray in the authority of His name. Every time you ask God to search your heart for anything that's getting in the way of your relationship with Him. And every time you choose to boldly be His witness in the world today. Without Him, we live in fear, worry, and anxiety but with him we dwell in peace walk in love and speak with boldness through the holy spirit jesus gave commandments to his apostles the only way that we can receive the fullness of jesus commandments is by seeing them through the perspective of the holy spirit so many people today are trapped in fear and worry because they're not operating, operating in the right perspective. So just how much does perspective matter? Well, let me tell you a little story first told by Tony Evans. There was a young boy who walked in his backyard with a baseball bat on his shoulder and a baseball in his hand. And he stood out in the middle of his yard and he... And he got a good stance, he looked at the ball and he said, I'm the greatest baseball player around. And with his stance ready, he threw the ball up, grabbed his bat, and then swing with all his might. And he missed. And the ball dropped down to the ground. So he picked the ball back up again, looked at it, got his stance ready again, and this time with great resolve he said, I'm the greatest baseball player in the world. He threw it up in the air, clenched his grip, swung through, and he missed again. A little puzzled, he picked the ball up, looked at it, looked at his bat. This time, with unheralded resolve, he dug his feet in, fully concentrating, dead on focus. He grabbed his bat, tossed the ball in the air, and with all his might, he swung, and he missed the ball again. For the third time, it dropped at his feet took his bat, tossed it aside, picked up the ball, and as he walked away smiling, he said to himself, Wow, what a pitcher. <laughs> perspective matters. The same story that we all hear, and yet one perspective stands out so much more than the other. You know, there's so many people looking at the world today from a human perspective. Perspective. And try as they may, they fail to see God and they get lost in fear and blame and confusion and despair. But the truth of the matter is that Jesus has not intended for any of this to happen. He has not only given us treasure in His Word and in the power of His presence, He desires for each of us to have that key of Holy Spirit revelation to unlock these blessings in His Word we absolutely need the Holy Spirit to shine the way for us and to lead us in power and in truth during this time, the same way that He led His disciples. Acts Acts 1, verse 3. To whom He also presented Himself alive after His sufferings by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. See, when Jesus rose from the dead, He came to His disciples with purpose. He spoke of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He knew that when He ascended into heaven, the greatest thing His disciples would need is direction. If Jesus was not physically there with them, how would they know where to go? How would they know what to do? Where to walk? When to speak? And when to quietly but firmly stand on His word? Though nearly 2,000 years have passed, many find themselves in the same place today during our current lockdown and closure of so much of the world. Without work, without attending church services, without visiting friends and meeting needs in person, many have lost their sense of purpose and their sense of direction. Like a boat that is no longer tethered to the dock, many are finding themselves adrift On the waters. Yet Jesus has so much more for us to realize and to do. And like his disciples, if we are open to Jesus to come to us and to speak directly to us, and if we are willing to obey, then the church will arise in all its power and glory to give witness to Christ our Lord, who who offers the only real message of hope for the world today. Acts one, verse four and being assembled together with them. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, You have heard from Me. Here Jesus gives a key to receive the most precious promise of the Father. Now maybe you didn't catch it, but the key to receiving the promised Holy Spirit is that we come together. When the disciples were assembled together, Jesus told them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise together. If we are not together as a body, as a church, as an expression of Jesus, then we should not expect for the Holy Spirit to endue us with power to be His witnesses in the earth today. The key that prepares us to receive the Holy Spirit in all His fullness, to walk in boldness, to experience life-changing revelation and operate in the fullness of His gifts is that we must be in one accord, in one mind, and come together. In fact, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell upon the disciples, it happened because they were all in one accord, assembled together in one place. But this was more than just physical coming together, more than just physical togetherness. It was the desire for each one to die to themselves and to their individual wills for the sake of their unity. The unity of the body is what is needed for the Holy Spirit to come upon believers in all His power and all His authority to empower their witness, to move in the miraculous, and to spread the Gospel with precision and passion and power. Without unity, We just keep waiting. But the truth is that God is the One who's waiting for us as the body, as the church, to come together so that He can move through us. Without unity, there is no Holy Spirit revelation to enlighten the eyes of our understanding and give us the wisdom we need to discern His will through His Word and His commands. In fact, it is this key of unity that was missing in the disciples during Jesus' arrest and torture and crucifixion and resurrection. Have you ever wondered like me, how was it that the disciples did not understand that Jesus had to die, that Jesus would be raised again on the third day? After all, remember, Jesus told them exactly what would happen. He said He would die. He said He would be put into the hands of sinful men. He said He would be raised on the third day. He said it more than once. And the disciples were completely lost and confused. How was it? How was it that they couldn't understand what was going on? They were confused and scared and lost when it happened. Why was it that even after Jesus rose from the dead, they didn't recognize Him? Several times, even when he talked to some of them, they didn't recognize Him. How could they not know that the Lord Himself was right there before them talking to them? Well, it's probably the same reason why people today are still unable to understand that God is real. That Jesus is alive. That the Lord is speaking to them directly. Inviting them. Inviting you to come to Him. It is the same reason why many people today do not recognize Jesus, do not turn from their sins, and come boldly to the throne of grace to receive forgiveness that we all need and live in the abundance of His mercy and power and love. Like much of the world and even the church today, division has spoken louder than unity. Therefore, we do not have access to the Holy Spirit-led revelation, that is needed to fully understand the Word of God and His will at this time. Remember, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, and so many others, they all had eyes to see, but they could not recognize the Lord before them. They all had ears to hear, but they could not hear the truth, and they could not understand the parables pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now think for a moment of the greatest parable ever that Jesus would be the sacrificial lamb to take upon the sins of the world upon Himself, to be sacrificed for us. As the Passover lamb, God looks at the blood of Jesus and passes over His people to bring us back into right standing with Him. It had to be done this way. It was the ultimate parable. But for the life of them, the disciples could not understand what was happening. Why? I'll tell you, it's because they were not united. The disciples themselves. They were not in one accord. They were divided in many ways at the time. And it was more than just Judas. The disciples, shortly before Jesus' trial, before Holy Week, the disciples argued about who was greatest among them, if you recall. In fact, the mother of James and John asked Jesus, for special preference for her son, asking for one of her sons to sit on his right of the throne in heaven and for one of her sons to sit on the left of the throne. Judas betrayed Jesus. Peter denied Jesus. Thomas doubted Jesus. These are not just all separate events, but if you understand, there was great division in the body of the disciples. There was no unity amongst them. Therefore, the conditions did not exist for the Holy Spirit to open their understanding when Jesus was taken from them. That is why they were so confused. That is why they did not recognize Him. Without unity, we fail to receive the Holy Spirit revelation of who God is and why we need Him in our lives. There is great confusion in the world today. Fear is gripping many. Despair has begun to creep into various circles. Indifference is speaking louder to some. Anxiety has become a prevailing voice as the world waits for an answer. However, God never told us just to wait for an answer. He told us to come together. To be in one accord with one another. To love others. To forgive as He has forgiven us. To pray for each other and to stand with one another. So much of the world today is divided as they wait for an answer to arise from the world. While everyone waits and looks to the experts and the scientists and world leaders, as the church, the body of Christ, we need to show the world how to wait on God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. We need, as the body of Christ, we need, as the body of Christ, we need to model unity. We need to put others' needs before ourselves. We need to spend less time judging those who are different from us and spend more time on our knees. Praying for those who don't know Jesus at this time. We need to take our ears and eyes off the cable news stations and the internet news reports. Otherwise, we become the Pharisees of today. Having ears but not hearing God at this time. Having eyes but not seeing what God is waiting for with His body. We have to understand what is going on right now and why the key to unlocking the mystery has not been found yet. New stations and news stories only bring accusation and blame and ridicule and fear. Leading to division. But if we learn to wait on God together as a body, expecting the Holy Spirit to give us the revelation we need to follow Jesus and remain in His will, then we will finally have the key to unlock all that God intends us to have at this moment. Brothers and sisters, we know the answer. Let us come together and love one another in words and actions. Let us come together and pray for each other and pray for our enemies. That's what Jesus commanded us to do. Let us come together and forgive one another and be bold enough to share the truth of God's message at this time. People are looking for an answer. They are waiting for an answer. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to speak through us to give the only real answer. This is how we wait for the promise of the Father. And what happens when we come together and wait on Him? Well, I believe this Old Old Testament Scripture is written for a time right now as we are waiting on God. Isaiah 40, verse 29. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Notice that the blessing in, this verse, in these verses. The blessing focuses on plurality, not singularity. Those who wait. Their strength. They shall mount up. They shall run. They shall walk. Let us wait Let us wait on Him by not letting the world feed us the narrative. We need to turn off the TV. Turn off the computer for our news source and open our minds and turn on our attention to the Holy Spirit to speak to us through the living Word of God. Let us wait by loving others and forgiving others and praying for others and coming together so the Holy Spirit can empower each and every one of us to be His witnesses in the world today. Acts 1.5 For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked Him, saying, Lord, will You at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in His own authority. You see, our job right now is not to worry about the times or the seasons. Our job is simply to trust God the Father and wait together for His promise. Acts 1.8 But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. God gave the Holy Spirit to us to be His witnesses, to share the message of Christ with others. He said that we would be witnesses in Jerusalem. That means right here in our own town, in our own circle of influence. And then in Judea and Samaria, we start to spread out, but we begin with ourselves. We begin with our friends and our families. We are witnesses to Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to move through us to do as such. The Holy Spirit desires to come upon The united body to empower our witness in the earth today. The world is counting on us. This is the key. It's time to use it.